With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekam Adaf Samech, page 60. We begin on the second line of the page. We said in the Mishnah that if someone sends it with a regular person, so that person has an obligation if he creates a fire. Then we said another case where someone else comes along and he was milabeh. He made the fire grid, he blew into the fire. Amr of Nachman Yitzchak, Mandatani Liba Lemishtavish, Rav Nachman Yitzchak says that there are two different versions of the Mishnah. One says Liba, that when it's talking about when he blew into the fire to make it greater, it uses the word Liba. Umadatani Niva Lemishtavish. And the one who uses the word Niva is also not incorrect. Rashi explains the word Niva has to do with the concept that when a person is speaking, so air comes out from between his lips. Mandatani Liba Lemishtavish. So the one who said the first way is not incorrect. We have a verse that says like this, Belavas Eish. Use the word Liba in regards to fire, that the fire is getting greater. We find the word Niva as well. He's not incorrect. He can, it can certainly be used as part of the gifts of the Mishnah. The verse says, God creates the ability for a person to speak with his lips. And along with speech comes the air that a person exudes as he speaks, as we mentioned from Rashi. And therefore, it's appropriate to, do, to use the word Niva to speak about making the fire greater with air. We said, that if there were two people involved, and then a wind came along and made the fire greater, so then there's no obligation upon any of the other people that were involved. Let's say he was also trying to make the fire greater by blowing at it. And at the same time, along came a wind and made it greater. So if what he was doing was enough to create a greater fire, so he's going to have the obligation. But if not, if he needed the wind to come along in order for the fire to be great enough to cause his damage, so then there's no obligation on him because the damage was not called by, caused by him, it was only caused by the wind. The Gemara says, Am I, why is that so? It should be no different than a person who's winnowing. Winnowing is where a person takes the chaff and the wheat that are still together, but they're broken apart, and he throws it up in the air, and he blows on it such that the chaff falls down, and the wheat itself, which is lighter, is blown away. Now, doing this, winnowing, is one of the forbidden things to do on Shabbos. So let's say he's doing it, but along as he's doing it, so comes a wind, and his breath would not have been per se enough to actually accomplish the winnowing, but the wind helps him out, such that he's able to accomplish the winnowing. So the halacha over there is that a person would be chayv on Shabbos, he would be obligated to bring a korban if it was done unintentionally, or he would have be chayv misa, would be liable for death, because he's done something wrong, even though the wind came along and helped him. So why should it be considered different over here, where he's starting off the fire and then the wind comes along and helps him out? Here we're saying there's no obligation. Why is that so? So Gamar says, Amar Abayah. So Abayah says, Hachamayaskinan, what are we speaking about over here? We're speaking about over here where he's trying to make the fire greater by blowing from one side, and the wind didn't come along from behind him and help him out and keep blowing in that direction, but it came from a different direction and kind of canceled out the blowing that he was doing, and then it made it larger. So his act, his blowing, his trying to make it greater was irrelevant. Therefore, he has no obligation. Rava says that originally when he was blowing, so there was a regular wind that was blowing along with him. And it still was not enough to create a large enough fire to cause damage. Now, so if it had been, so then he would have had an obligation. Because you would have joined together the regular wind along with him. However, what was it that caused the damage in the end? Along came a gust of wind which was unusual, and that's what created the larger fire that caused the damage. So therefore, we can't attribute that greater wind to him. It could be that a smaller wind we could. Rabbi Zira, Amar Rabbi Zira says another pshat. Kigain did summer tzimuri. The type of breath that he was doing, the word summer tzimuri means, says Rashi, that he was trying to heat up his hands, he was blowing on his hands, 
trying to heat them up. So that's the type of breath that he was giving to try to make the fire greater. It wasn't a really significant liba. It wasn't considered that he was really doing something. And that's why when, when the wind comes along, so that's the only thing that we really consider that has made the fire greater. Ravashi, I'm Ravashi gives a different shot. When do we say that in regards to Shabbos? When someone is winnowing and he's blowing on it and along comes the wind that helps him out. Over there it's considered that the wind and him have done something together and now it's considered that they've done something significant and it's mitiaches, it's attached to him because in regards to Shabbos, the Malachs Mashavis Asra because the Torah forbids something which is conscious, which is a conscious creative act. He's done something, he wants to create this winnowing, he wants to do this thing. So when the wind comes along, he's happy with the fact that the wind came along because he wants to accomplish the winnowing and this wind is helping him. Aval Hacha However, in this case, the person wouldn't want this fire to have been made greater and to cause his damage. And therefore, so it's considered just a secondary force, it's not a direct force. And whenever you have a secondary force like this, there's no obligation in regards to damages. We begin the Mishnah. If I say somebody sends out a fire and it consumes wood or stones or dirt, there's an obligation. Chayov. Shinemar, as the verse says, If a fire shall go out, and finds thorns, it consumes a haystack or standing crops, or a field. So the person has to pay the one who started the fire. We begin the Gemara. Amr Rav Rav says, Why do we need all these things. We have thorns and you have haystacks and you have standing crops in a field. Why do we need all these different things in the verse? Tzrichi. So each one of them is necessary. Because of Rachmana Koytzim, if the verse had just said thorns, that when does the Torah give you an obligation? Only in regards to the thorns. Because it's something that's common for fire to catch on. And it's common for a person to be negligent in this regard. About Godish, in regards to a haystack, it's not so common for fire to be around it. It's not so common for a person to become negligent in that regard, so you would think that there's an obligation. So that's why the Torah had to write it. Because of Rachmana Gadish, if the Torah had written the concept of haystack, you would think that the Torah obligates in regards to haystack the hefsed merubahu because it's a very great loss. But in regards to thorns, the hefsed muat, which is only a small loss, maybe there's an obligation. Come alamali. Why does that have to say the case? We have upstanding crops. Ma kama begali. So it's going to teach you just like these crops are something which are out in the open. So therefore, anything in order to have an obligation. In regards to fire, it has to be out in the open. Who says that there is an obligation on things that are hidden? Come on, Lamali. What do we need the verse come on to teach you about these these uh, crops that are standing up? The rabbis call This is coming to teach you anything that stands up, meaning even an animal or a tree. And they say just how do they know that these things are included even though they're not explicitly stated if they use that verse or something else. They learn that from the extra word or. It says or the standing crops. And Rabbi Yehuda, what does he do with the word or? He holds that we need to say that there are different cases, meaning if you hadn't had the word or, you would think that until you have the, the, the fire has consumed the thorns and the standing crops and the fields, etc., all those things, until then, there's no obligation. So that's what it's coming to teach you. How do we know that this is talking about different cases according to the sages who use the word oi to teach you something else? They learn it out from the fact that it says or the field. So that's coming to teach you that all the cases are separate cases. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, I did because of Rahman oi hakama because of oi hasod. He holds that the reason that it said the word or in regards to the field is because once we said it in regards to or the standing crops, we also said it at the end of the Pasuk just to keep the Pasuk uniform. But it wasn't really necessary to say it there. 
Now the Gemara says, Sad alamali, why do we need the case in the Pasuk, in the verse of the field? Why was it necessary to, to say that case? This is coming to teach you that even though the fire affected a field or some stones which are not usually affected by fire, there still will be an obligation to pay for those damages, even though it's unusual. The Gemara says, why didn't the Torah just say the case of the field? And we would be able to figure out all the other cases as well. We need all the cases because of Rahman Asad. If I had just said the case of the field, you would think, only things that are inside of a field, only those things have an obligation in regards to fire, but other things, no. That's what's coming to teach you that no, it will apply the concept of the damage of fire will apply to other things as well. When do evil things occur to the world? Only when there are evil people in the world. And when the, when the difficulties do come, it starts from the righteous people. Shinemar's verse says, When the fire shall go out, it's going to find thorns. So when does the fire go out? When there are thorns available to it. The first thing that it starts with is with the righteous people. First, Shinemar's verse says, And it eats up a haystack. Doesn't say it eats up a haystack, which means that the haystack is actually eaten. It's teaching you that the, the haystack was actually consumed previously. So thus we see that the tzaddikim, who are represented by the haystack, a haystack which we mentioned before has a great value. So the righteous people, unfortunately, so the first ones that get affected by whatever difficulties come to the world. But the difficulties come as a result of those kotsim, those thorns, which are the evil people. Tanner of Yosef, Rabbi Yosef has the following price. What does it mean in the verse when it says, Then in regards to Machas Bechoros, the striking of the firstborn of the Egyptians, so God told the Jewish people, you're not allowed to leave the houses until the morning. Why? Why was he telling them that? Once the destroyer is already given permission to destroy, it doesn't distinguish between the righteous ones and the evil ones. Not only that, that the destruction begins with the righteous one, Tchila, first, Shinemar's verse says, I'll cut off from you the righteous and the evil ones, and it puts the righteous ones first. So, Rav Yosef Krajani said the following question, All of the righteousness of the righteous people is worth nothing in front of God. Why would it be that they get destroyed first, that they, they experience the difficulties first? I'm really Abaya. So, Abaya responded and said as follows, It's actually a favor to them. Because the verse says, Before the evil comes, the righteous one is taken away. So, Rashi explains that the reason they're taken away first is so they shouldn't have to see all the difficulties of the evil that are going to come. That's why they're taken away first. I'm Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda says the name of Rav, a person should always enter into his lodgings at night before it becomes dark. Kitoiv is referring to the verse that it says in regards to light. It says, or God saw that the light was good. So a person should come to his lodgings before it becomes nighttime. While it's still day, he still sees the light. And should leave in the morning only once it gets light again. Where do we see this from? From the following verse, the same verse that we quoted earlier. Hashem said to the Jewish people, you shouldn't leave your houses until the morning. We learned in a bright Dever Beir. If there's a plague in the city, bring your feet, meaning enter your homes and stay there. Shinemar, as the verse says, You should not leave from the opening of your houses until morning. You have a second verse. My nation, come into your rooms, close the door behind you. Another verse. 
outside the sword is destroying, and inside of the rooms there is fear. So why do we need all these different verses to teach you the same idea? So if you would say that this is only during the night time, that's when if there's a plague, so you should go into your houses. So that's the first verse is talking about at night. Maybe during the daytime, one would be permitted to leave his house. So that's why the second verse is coming to teach you that not only in the nighttime, but even in the daytime, one should enter into his home, into his room. And if you would say that's only where there's no fear inside of one's house, but if there is fear indeed inside Side of one's house, if one would go out and sit amongst people and have their company, so perhaps that would be better. That's why the verse comes to say that from outside there's going to be destruction of the sword, and from inside of the rooms there is fear. Even though that there's fear inside of the rooms, if one stays outside, so he's going to get destroyed by the sword. At a time when there would be a plague, so Rav would close the windows, and he brought it from the verse, You see that the, the death has climbed up through the windows, you see that a plague can get in through the windows. We don't know about Rav, but here, if there is a hunger in the land, leave. As the verse says, There was a famine in the land, and Avram left to go down to Egypt to live there. We have a second verse that teaches us this. This is talking about a certain story where there was a besieged city, and there's a group of leprous people that were outside of the city, and they said to themselves, If we come into the city, there's nothing, there's nothing to eat there. We'll die there. So so they said to themselves, let's go outside of the city. So we see from there, if there's a famine, one should leave. What do we need the second verse? When do we say that a person should leave? That's only if he knows that where he's going is going to be okay. But if he's not sure, maybe... But if he's not sure he's going to be able to survive in the other place, perhaps he shouldn't leave. That's coming to teach you. So they had said to themselves, let's go out to the encampment of Aram, the people who were besieging the Jews inside. And they said, perhaps we'll be able to live there. So it was unclear if they were going to be able to survive. Nevertheless, they left the city and they went out to that encampment. So this teaches us that if there's a famine inside of a city, one should leave. We learned in Abraisa. If there's a plague in the city, a person should not walk in the middle of the path. Because the angel of death is walking in the middle of the path. Once he's gotten permission, he walks out in the open. If there's peace in the city, person should not go on the side of the path. Since he doesn't have so much permission to cause death, the Malachamovis, the angel of death, he hides himself and he walks by the side of the road. We learned that by Sedever Be'ir, if there's a plague in the city, the person should not go alone into the synagogue. Because the angel of death leaves his utensils there, the things that he does his work with. That's only in a place where there are no children learning the Torah. And you don't usually have 10 people praying there. We learn that if you hear dogs crying, that means that the angel of death has come to the city. If you hear dogs that are rejoicing, so that means that Elijah the prophet has come to the city. That's only if there's no female dog there. But if there is a female dog there, so then there's no proof from the fact that they're howling or that they're laughing that they're doing it because of the Malachamavis, because of the angel of death, or because of Elijah the prophet.
Yasser Rav Ami, the Rav Asi, came to Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. Both Rav Ami and Rav Asi were sitting in front of their Rebbe, their teacher, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. One of them said, please say something halachic. We want to hear something like the normal types of Gemara. So Mara Malei, And the other one said, no, I want to hear something agadic, something like the Gemara that we've been saying recently. So he started to say something which was agadic, but the other one didn't let him. He tried to start saying something which was halachic, and the other one didn't let him. So Rav Yitzchak Nafcha says to them, I want to tell you a parable. What is this like? A person who has two wives, a young wife and an old wife. So the young wife doesn't want her husband to look old, so she plucks out all of his white hairs. The old wife doesn't want her husband to look young, so she's pulling out all of his dark hairs. So he ends up bald because everyone's pulling out all of his hairs. So he said the same thing with you guys. You're not letting me say anything. So he says to them like this, If this is the case, I'm going to tell you something which both of you will like. It will be both agadic and halachic. The verse says, If a fire shall go out and it finds thorns. So it sounds like it's going out on its own. That's what the verse sounds like. It sounds like the fire went out. Nothing to do with the person himself. What does the end of the verse say? It says that the person who caused the fire, who made the fire, lit the fire, he's going to have to pay. It sounds like the person himself has done it. So first he's going to give the Agadic interpretation. Amra Kodesh Baruch Hu, so Hashem says like this, I'm going to be responsible for the fire that I made. This is referring to the fire that burned down the temple. Even though the Jewish people themselves were really responsible for it, they were the ones who caused God to bring the fire that would burn down the temple. Nevertheless, God says, I'm the one who's going to take responsibility. That's the understanding of the verse. It sounds like the fire is going out for one purpose. And then there's someone else who's taking responsibility. The person, the person who set the fire is the one who's taking responsibility. So God is the one who's taking responsibility, even though the Jewish people were the ones who started the fire. I was the one who started the fire in Zion, Shnemar, as the verse says, a fire sparked in Zion, and it consumed the foundations. And God says, I'm the one who's going to rebuild it in fire. Shnemar, as the verse says, I'm going to be for it a wall of fire around. I'm going to be an honor for it within it. Shmaisa. Now Rav Nafcha explained it according to the halachic ramifications of it. Why does it say at the beginning, it sounds like it's talking about a fire going out on its own. At the end it talks about the person who lit the fire. So because the verse is starting off with the concept of a person's property that's causing damage. Similar to a shore, if an ox would go out and cause damage, it goes out on its own in a certain sense. But it ends up by talking about the fact that he himself caused the damage. It talks about the person who lit the fire. This is coming to teach you that the concept of fire, as we mentioned previously, one month and seven days ago, or eight days ago, so we said over there that the concept is according to one man, according to one person, that fire is an extension of the person himself. So it has a double aspect. Not only is it considered his property that's causing damage, but it's also considered that it's an extension of himself. So he himself has caused the damage. So that's why it says, it goes out on its own in a certain sense, because it's his property. But then it says, the person himself is considered the one who has lit the fire.
the Gemara continues, Vayasavet David, David had a desire, Vayomar mi ashkenu maim mi bor beis lechem, and he said, who's going to give me water from the pit of Bethlehem, Asher Bashar, that's at the gate. And Rashi explains that what we're talking about over here is that David HaMelech, he had a question, a halachic question, and he needed to send it to the gate. The gate was where the Sanhedrin sat, at the gate, I, I believe, of the temple. And therefore he was saying, who's going to go to the temple to ask the Shiloh, the halachic question that we have? And three mighty ones broke out, those that were in the encampment of the Philistines, and they drew the water from the pit of Bethlehem, Asher Bashar, that was at the gate of the government, and they went to ask the question, and they came back with their answer. My coming by the Gemara wants to know, what was the question that was so important for David HaMelech to know, King David to know? Amar Rav, Rav says, Amar Rav Nachman, in the name of Rav Nachman, the question had to do with the fact that some of his men, some of King David's men, they had caused damage to a haystack with fire, and there had been some kind of vessels inside of that haystack. He wanted to know if the halach was going to be like Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbanan, whether there would be an obligation to pay for the damages to those vessels that were hidden inside. And they answered him whatever they answered him. Rav Huna gives an alternate explanation for what the question was. There were these haystacks of barley that belonged to the Jews. That there were hidden Philistines inside of them. And the question was, the halachic question was, Is it permitted for one to destroy someone else's property in order to save himself, right? Because he wanted to destroy the haystacks that, that the Philistines were hiding inside of. Shalholi, they responded and said, It's forbidden for one to save himself by destroying someone else's property. However, you are king. And a king has a right to make a path through someone's property, and no one has a right to stop him. So therefore, theoretically, you could do what you want. And the rabbis, those was Rabbi Barmari said, There were actually these barley haystacks of Jews, and there were also these lentil haystacks that belonged to the Philistines. The question was like this, What would be the halacha if I want to take the haystacks of the barley of the Jews and place it in front of one's animals, in front of the animals, I guess, that belong to the army, on the condition that I'm planning to pay back these Jews by taking away the haystacks of lentils that belong to the Philistines. They responded and said, the destruction will have to be returned by the, the evil one who created it. He has to pay back the thing that he stole. Even though he pays back that which he stole, Russia, we still consider an evil person. So therefore, this shouldn't be done. However, you are a king. king has a right to make a path through someone's property. No one has the right to prevent him. Therefore, you can do what you want. It's good according to one who says that he was coming to switch things. So we understand why there's one verse. So you have one verse that says that the field was full of lentils. And the second verse says that the entire field was full of barley. So according to this last explanation, it works out very well, because that explains the two verses, why we have one talking about lentils, one talking about barley. But according to the one who said that the issue had to do with burning it, what do I need these two verses for? So he'll respond to him and say like this, There were also these haystacks made out of lentils of the Jews, where the Philistines were hiding. According to the one who says that the issue had to do with burning it down or not, we understand why it says in the verse, that he stood up inside of the, the field and he saved it. He didn't allow it to be to be burned. According to the one who says that the issue here was switching it, how can you talk about saving it? So the answer is, he didn't allow them to take the ones that belonged to the Jew to feed it to the animals and then switch it. So he saved it in a certain sense. 
Now the Gemara says, Bishlam Hanitarti, according to these two, it makes sense. Hainu Dechsiv Trekroi. We understand why there are two verses. According to the one who the question had to do with whether or not there was an obligation for something that was burned down, that was something that was hidden inside of the haystack. Why do we need a second verse? One talking about barley and one talking about lentils. So we respond to you and say like this. Even though according to the one who says that the question had to do with something that was hidden inside that had been burned down, you will also agree that another question was asked, one of the other questions that were mentioned by the other Amorite. With Hashem's help, we'll continue from here in the next Daily Daf.